0: Welcome to episode 91 of the Amanda Wagner Podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy, and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we spill some of the details about my annual month off, share 10 things that I learned during the month of July, including some of the people that I heard them from and the brilliance that I was shared, and consider how ambition may be seasonal, look different at different times and change and this week it's actually not a we it is an i i am flying solo today and have so much to catch you up on i'm amanda wagner speaker business strategist and professional hype woman and i'm liz pittman a digital communications specialist The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not? And are ready instead to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. If you have been around for a while, you know that I take July off annually. Every single year, it is my month off. It's my holiday month. I have done this for now five years, and I'm at the point where other people will will remind me that I take July off. If I try to book a meeting, if I try to uh, do some extra work, other people will say to me, no, no, you take July off. It is wonderful. This year, however, was a little bit different, so... From January to June, I pushed myself really hard. There was also a car accident that happened in January. My family and I are okay, uh, but we were hit by a car. Our car was totaled. It was not only inconvenient and terrifying, but it was certainly uh, traumatic. I will, I will confidently use that word. It was a lot to deal with, and so. That just kind of set the tone for 2023. And from there, I have been on and off sick. My darling daughter, Dottie, started childcare in April. And so navigating what work looked like and daycare, it's been a lot. And so much of it has been by choice. So it's definitely not uh, trying to position myself as, as a victim, which we will talk a little bit more about later. But this year has been a challenge, and I would say that the icing on the cake is that in the beginning of June, I went to see my doctor and mentioned to her all of the things that have been happening, just all of the ups and downs, mostly downs, some of the the challenges mental health-wise and with anxiety and the the trauma of the car accident and the emotion that came with that, and she encouraged me to focus on the positive positive. I'm going to pause so you can roll your eyes so you can go, oh, really? Um, So I got a dose of toxic positivity. Now, do I know what I was looking for in that appointment? No. Was I looking for support, medication to be here? I just wanted to be taken seriously. And so that sort of set the tone for me feeling like, okay, I guess it isn't that bad. Maybe I do just need to focus on the positive. At the end of June, I finally broke. And by broke, I mean panic attack. I mean that I was sick for nearly the entire month with my third sinus infection of the year. Uh, I was pushing and pushing and pushing, and I refused to stop working, even though my body was saying no. So this year is different because July was not about relaxation. July was not about spending a month in my backyard reading books and enjoying the sun and time off. This year, I spent the first three weeks of my vacation in in kind of a recovery phase. When I say recovery, what I mean is I needed to really zoom out on what was happening. And so now, as we are back in August... I am doing some recalibrating. I'm using the word reinvention, which I will talk about a little bit later. And I've been reflecting on some of the things that I've learned during my month off. So I got 10. Here we go. Number one, my body said no. And I'm, I hate that. The difference is that my body said no and I finally had to listen because knowing that I have had so many sinus infections and colds, um, I've had the flu twice this year. My body is fiercely saying no. It is giving me warning signs. It is pulling out all the stops. And from January to June, I was pretty unwilling to listen to it. I kept going. And so I am learning that how I'm doing things isn't necessarily sustainable. And It doesn't mean I have to give up on a dream, a plan, a passion, uh, the ferocity with which I bring myself into my life and my career. Those things don't necessarily have to change. The way I do it does. And that brings me to the second thing I learned, which is that trauma, either with a capital T or a little t, can show up in ways that you don't expect and sometimes in ways that are incredibly frustrating post car accident, I am a lot more startled. I'm a terrible passenger in the car now, even though during the accident, I was driving. And those little things can really set you off in a bigger way. So all of a sudden driving to work in the morning, is a lot more stressful than it used to be. And it's frustrating because it, it challenges your sense of control. And so for me, I have had to look at outside factors and how they might impact my ability to work and move forward and behave in the same way that I used to. The third thing I learned, and this is so hard to admit, but makes complete sense. Ambitious people need breaks and we need support and we need help. Just like athletes need days off, after training and competition, they need seasons of rest, and they need coaches to help them get to the next level. So do we. And typically, I think that there is a sense that ambitious people are so driven on their own, and people don't understand them. So we just have to move forward, forward, forward. And in fact, we're actually not doing it alone. We don't have to. It might also not be our bodies that need the break, but our minds and our hearts really do. My brain and my heart and my body all needed the break. I'm not sure if you can hear it on the recording, but my voice is absolutely not. It's in its usual form. I am in fact sick again, and it's really hard for me to pay attention to it. And that brings me to my next point, number four. Overwork is a drug and rest is our detox. The absolutely brilliant Dr. Cara Pepper shared this with me and shared that similar to how we think of a detox from drug or alcohol or some kind of addiction, a substance addiction, detox can make people shake and sweat. And it is incredibly uncomfortable. And she shared with me that that's what rest feels like. And it just hit the nail on the head. Overwork is a drug because when we work, we get validation. We're told we're doing a good job. We get paid. We see proof that what we're doing is quote unquote working because we're getting that that little hit of Is is it dopamine that that tells us, great, keep going. This is a good thing. It feels like a great high. And there is a point where you're chasing, chasing, chasing. And your body, your brain, your circumstances force you to slow down. So I'm learning that I actually have a job to pay attention to this. If you are like me, you might notice when you're sick. You might be frustrated. You might be annoyed. You might know you're taking on too much but to actually stop and feel it and make a change is really different. The fifth thing is that, and again, I'm going to quote Dr. Pepper here, which, oh man, what a brilliant name. I'm sure she is so tired of hearing it. And yet I love it so much. I love the idea of working with Dr. Pepper and Root Beer and Orange Crush. So Dr. Pepper, I think for the first time, really heard what I was saying and said, this is not a brain problem. Just want you to sit with that for a second. This is not a brain problem. This is not that we don't understand that we need rest. This is not that we somehow can't get that rest actually helps us move further. It's that we have habits and patterns ingrained in us That somehow make us say, yeah, 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 I know it's true that we need to rest, but that's not for me. Good for you, not for me. I can't do that. So instead about learning more or reading another book, this is about changing and retraining habits. It's thinking differently about how we work. And it's about listening to our brains and our hearts and our bodies which is something that's really hard. I'm 100% not in tune with it. Very much not in tune with it. And for the first time, I feel like I'm actually paying attention and that in and of its own is incredibly frustrating. But there has to be a better way than this, right? This cycle of burnout can't continue like this forever. That brings me to my sixth point, which is that... Sometimes the problem isn't you. Now, this is a hard one for me. And I mean, shout out to my beautiful friend, you know who you are, who is kind of coaxing me out of this idea that whatever happens is my fault, or I've done something wrong, or I should have done more, I should have done less, I should have changed this, I should apologize, I should go over the moon for somebody else, assuming that I'm the one who did something wrong. And that's not always the case. In terms of work, we've definitely been socialized to do more, do better, harder, better, faster, stronger. That is in so many ways how I've lived my life. And it's been accepted, it's been praised, right? That's the hit that we get if we work hard. We get that little hit. We get that high. Overwork is our drug. And I think it's important that we kind of take a breath. And by we, of course, I mean I. But if, if this is connecting with you, take a breath and just think, huh, maybe it's not me. Maybe I didn't create this or cause this or am at fault in some way. And let some air out of the tires so that we have a capacity to think a little bit differently, to give ourselves some, some space and grace that we give others. I give everybody else in my Zoom room all of this space. I give my audience a space to be themselves. I encourage that. I know that that is when some of the best work happens. It always seems good for them, but not enough for me. So trying to change that thinking Another thing I learned is that whether something is hard or easy, sometimes it is just too much. We have talked on the podcast about how you're allowed to find ease in things. And that's a great way to think about leveling up. Oh, this is easy for me. Great. It means I've learned something. It means I've, I've conquered this task. I can take on something more if I want. But you also don't have to. Sometimes it is just too much. You're allowed to let things be easy, even if they're easy. Sometimes there's too many things on your plate. As somebody who stacks my plate at 100%, it means that when something goes wrong or something's off or I need to pick Dottie up at daycare or somebody's sick, my plate explodes. It's way too full. So one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how to keep my plate at 80% so that I have 20% for the accidents, for the whoopsies, for the I have to pick this up, for the last minute, for the cancellation, for the late, for the sick, whatever that is. Sometimes, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud because it feels so counter to how my brain is wired, but the eighth thing I've learned is that sometimes working harder doesn't work. So in a conversation, in a few conversations this month where I have been a lot more open with with my close friends and with the people in my life that I I respect and trust and admire, I've, I've been talking about and kind of negotiating this idea that my brain is not the problem and saying, yeah, but I have proof that working harder works. I have proof that if I put in more time, if I ask better questions, if I find the right people, if I attend another event, if if I meet the right person, then it's going to quote unquote work. I will make more money. I will be seen. I will have the legacy. I will build the impact that I want. And several times I got called on my bullshit, which I mean, I, I laughed because I needed it. Uh, but to have somebody say, Well, you say that that's working, but is it actually working? If you are having panic attacks, if you are overworked to the point where you've been pretty steadily sick for six months, then maybe it's actually not working. Because I'm out here looking for proof that by slowing down and by saying no a little more often and by giving myself space... I don't have proof that that is going to work in the same ways. But I can at least acknowledge now that the way I've been doing things isn't actually working. And I imagine that many ambitious people go through this thinking, well, it is working. I'm making more money or I have more clients or my calendar is full. This is something that five years ago I wanted so badly. But it's actually not working. Now, the ninth thing is something that I read about in – Gabor Amate's book, The Myth of Normal. I am only two chapters in, I am by no means an expert. But he talks about being a victim or being vulnerable. And that sometimes the antidote to feeling like a victim is instead to open up and be vulnerable. So an example here, I don't like to see myself as a victim. But I realize that sometimes I frame myself in that way or behave in that way. So, for example, I always use the language, if I don't work, I don't get paid. I say this over and over, especially to people who tell me to slow down, especially to my my wonderful husband who encourages me to rest and get better. And I, I have chosen this life. He has chosen a more traditional career path. So that's my first fired up, if I don't work, I don't get paid. Instead of this sort of victim way of thinking, I have an opportunity to be a little more honest and open. So instead of the, if I don't work, I don't get paid, maybe I can say, I took on too much at this moment, or I'm struggling with the guilt of rest, and actually ask for that help. Because what I have learned, and maybe this is one of the the biggest lessons in the last month, is that when you have your people, or when you're looking for your people, when you tell them these things, the right people love you anyway. And they may even love you more, for being honest, because it humanizes you. And so... If you have your people, you, ha- you what an opportunity to tell them. The, the open-mindedness and open-heartedness that I have been the recipient of it has been absolutely beautiful. And I see the irony. I have a, a podcast that comes out every two weeks. I share on the podcast. I share in Instagram stories and reels and posts. And there is certainly a vulnerable side. And I would still say that I share maybe 10 15% of what's actually happening. I've definitely been a little bit guarded. Now, part of that is protection. Part of that is my belief that being authentic doesn't mean being transparent. Those are different things. I've seen far too many business owners spill their guts out to the entire social media world and lose some credibility. And that's not a path I'm interested in. However, I do have to get more comfortable telling my people and using this information to find my people. Now, the last thing I'm going to zoom way out and we're going to talk about Oprah. I want to be at the scale of Oprah. That hasn't changed. So in all these things that have changed and that I have reflected on, that I have thought differently about, one of the things that hasn't Is my big ambition, this big desire. The way I need to do it has to change. I refuse to be sick like this all the time. I refuse to exist in an unsustainable way. Don't know how, but I know I have to do that. And one of the big things that continues to come up for me is this idea of reputation management. I want people to think of me a certain way. I want them to see me a certain way. And if I share something that is outside of that mold, I run the risk of somebody saying, well, that's not what I thought. Or somebody saying, ha, huh, she's fallen off the pedestal that she put herself on. Or, I mean, the some of the most challenging words to hear ever of, I told you so, or I saw it coming. And in a conversation with a friend, she said, well, how do you think Oprah does it? Oprah gets criticism. Oprah lives a very, very public life. And my immediate response was, well, she has people. She's protected from it. Oprah doesn't have to read the comment section. Someone else is running her social media. Oprah doesn't go to the grocery store by herself. She's not looking at magazines and tabloids. And I was told by more than one person I've, I had this same conversation with multiple people trying to see if I'm the only one who thinks that way, that, that Oprah is protected from this. And with three separate people, each of them said, you really think Oprah like lives in an echo chamber by herself? Of course Oprah reads the comments. There are entire podcasts dedicated to talking about Oprah's weight fluctuations, something that is incredibly personal and loaded is being publicly shared and talked about. She can't just exist in a room by herself and not hear any of it. The alternative is that she has built up the self-worth, the capacity, the strength to do it anyway and to filter out the feedback that helps and the feedback that is garbage. I imagine Oprah has a pretty strong sense of, maybe the problem isn't me. Now, I can't imagine that everything rolls off her back. And that's something I've rested on for a long time. I've thought, when I get to the scale of Oprah, if somebody says something mean, if somebody thinks something mean, if somebody shares something that doesn't feel good, my instinct is to go, well go fuck yourself. I'm a billionaire. Go fuck yourself. I've made it. But I don't think it's being a billionaire that's keeping Oprah safe. I don't think it's sitting by herself and never going to the grocery store or never looking at Instagram or TikTok that's keeping her safe. There's something deeper. There is a confidence. There is a care. There is a gentleness. And... I'm looking to cultivate a little bit more of that. Some of the the work that I've been doing on the side when I've had the, the energy to write or to think, I've started writing out what I call my 10 questions exercise. I am fascinated by fame and by celebrity. And I think that might explain my affinity for The Real Housewives. But I've started this 10 questions idea where I sit and I go, okay, If I got to sit down with Oprah, what are 10 questions I have for Oprah? What are 10 questions I have for Bruce Springsteen? What are 10 questions I have for Elizabeth Holmes? What are 10 questions I have for Caroline Calloway? What are 10 questions that I have for authors and speakers and actors and singers? These people that we look at and admire, and I want to talk about ambition as a driver and what keeps coming up for me is this idea that we're all learning lessons. And I, I could really use to stop on the lesson front. I don't need another lesson. There's gotta be an easier way. But sometimes that's just the path. It's incredibly unsatisfying to me, but it's also the reality. My hope is that in some of the things that I'm learning and learning lessons the hard way, I really wish I could learn them the easy way, um, but learning lessons the hard way is an opportunity for me to share this with somebody else. And to say, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm learning. If you are anything like me, if you have ambition, if you have guilt around rest, if you struggle to give yourself space, welcome. Me too. I wish I could fix it. I wish it was an overnight thing. I wish it was just about the amount of money you have or the number of people between you and the comment section. Or that once you read a book, you fully understand it and integrated it and implemented it into your life. I don't think it's that easy. What I do know is that we're not alone. This is the part in the podcast where I have call to action. Uh, my call to action might be a little bit strange this time. I, I my call to action is to not take any action for a moment. Wrap the podcast up, sit in your car by yourself for a couple minutes, um, pull into the driveway, think, do nothing. It's really hard. Right? That's that's the detox. And I'm very, very uncomfortable. I'm still doing it. I do believe that there is no guilt in the pleasure of reality TV or reading for fun or taking your kid to daycare and then driving home and having a nap immediately, going to a movie in the middle of the afternoon. Um, And sometimes you need to up your episode count. I told my friend that during one of my days off, I watched three episodes of Vanderpump Rules. Now, I just want to clarify, I am a purist. And I'm starting at the very beginning of Vanderpump Rules at the time of this recording. I am midway through season four. I do not want any spoilers. I know something happens with the toms, but I don't want to hear about it. I will report back when I am all caught up. The bottom line is that when I told her I watched three episodes, she said, that sounds low. If you're trying to relax, if you're trying to rest, if you're trying to recover, maybe it's time to up the episode count. So if you do want to take any action, up your episode count for a day. Sit and watch TV, even if it's sunny outside. Even if you're sitting there going, oh, I should be sitting on a patio. Then just sit inside, watch TV, eat some snacks. In the spirit of don't ask, don't get, I'm here with an ask. And this is different than usual. My ask is if you need these reminders If you need to talk to somebody who is in the process of learning how to be a bit gentle on herself, but provides the ultimate grace, space, and gentleness with her clients, I have space for private coaching clients. And so if you need a little bit more of this tailored to you and your work life and your full life, that's what I do. I am available to be booked this fall and would love to have more conversations with ambitious people. It is helping me learn about this special group of us, and my job is to help make it a little bit easier, more pleasurable, and gracious for you while still helping you get what you want. You can reach out to me about private coaching via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or go to theamandawagner.com and fill out the contact form. I will get in touch with you. This is where Liz comes in. And Liz would normally say, if you need to make your social media platform better and share your story with the world, you can find her on Instagram at Liz Pittman or at lizpittman.com, P-I-T-T-M-A-N. And Liz is one of those people who can help get your plate to 80% so that you have room for the incidentals. Now, we will be back in two weeks with a new episode. We are featuring the absolutely brilliant, bold, talented, willing-to-share Candace Wolf. I cannot wait to talk to her about her experience as a quitter. Until then, we will see you on the internet. This is normally where we stay in the studio for a minute and say cute things or talk about how annoying Riverside was. Riverside was super annoying today to the point where I contacted support and Stephen at Riverside said, are you sure you're using the mobile app? What a day. Okay, Liz, I'm going to text you now. Love you. Bye.